All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Friday, June 10th of 2022. Happy Friday uh, through another week here. If this is your first time watching the stream, my name's Jordan. I'm the head coach at Saber Sim. Uh, and Office Hours is an open Q&A style show where I answer questions from the SaberSim community about SaberSim, uh, about DFS, really whatever you guys want to talk about. If you have questions you would like me to answer on this show, you can email us, support at sabersim.com. If you are watching me live, you can ask your questions live in the YouTube chat. And of course, you can ask your questions live or otherwise in the Office Hours channel in our Slack community. If you are not already a part of our Slack community, there's a link to join in the description of every past show. Uh, we've got a pretty good uh, stream scheduled here for today. I see already a few questions in our queue, a uh, variety of different topics here. We'll talk a little bit about weather, um, some larger slate strategy, maybe take a little bit of a special look at this slate. Uh, we'll talk about diversification, uh, all kinds of stuff. So feel free to uh, throw other questions into the queue there. We'll get started here in just a moment. But before we do, uh, I want to quickly mention here uh if you missed it yesterday that uh we did a big update to our lineup builder yesterday uh that is now live uh it now calculates correlation uh by looking at what we're basically calling upside correlation or uh what is i guess commonly referred to as upside correlation instead of looking at how one player's performance relates to another player's performance on average uh our correlation in the app now in the correlation slider now specifically looks at what does one player's upside outcome mean for other players playing in that game? Uh, it's a much more sophisticated, much more robust approach to correlation. Uh, along with that, we also made some changes to the way that Saber score is calculated as it relates to sim precision. Uh, we now look at the full lineup. We look at the lineup's percentile finishing outcomes instead of just the individual actual score from that uh, lineup in the sim to determine if that lineup is a good lineup to play. It makes uh, Saber score much more accurate. Uh, you should overall be getting much more high quality positive EV lineups out of the box with Saber Sim now uh, because of these two changes. I had Matt on yesterday to talk about this. He joined me for office hours for about 45 minutes uh, talking through some of these improvements, some of the, the changes here, the benefits of this, how it all works. Uh, and that video is up along with all of our other content on our YouTube channel, in the Office Hours channel here. Uh, build better DFS lineups with upside correlation and lineup percentiles. If you missed it, definitely go find some time to uh, at least listen to that because I think it will uh, help shed a little bit more light on what's going on behind the scenes. It is it is one of those changes. It is a change to the lineup builder. Uh, it's, not, it's not in your face. It's not flashy. It's not a big front-end change. There's not... Uh, a new interface or feature that's associated with it. It's really just how the lineups from Saberson actually get built. Uh, so it is kind of that behind the scenes uh, change there, but it's it's huge. It's a massive improvement. Um, and I, I'm, I'm really excited about it here. So definitely go check that out. But uh, anyway, let's go ahead here and start answering some questions here um, and dive in. So I want to start um, here uh, with a question from... Um, from Brian. And uh, this question says, 
uh, on larger slates in general, about how many starting pitchers do you have exposure to when maxing out two 150 max contests? Do you just use all that Saverson gives you, or do you narrow it down to a certain number, say three to five? Thanks. So I've been getting a lot of questions like this recently. Um, we've gotten questions of, you know, it comes in in a lot of different forms. I hear this question. How many stacks do you have in a 20 max uh, here? How many pitchers do we have in a 150 max? Uh, all, all kinds of different, you know, questions. And I really want to push back on the idea of using a heuristic like this period, right? Uh, I think these kinds of rules of thumb of, you know, I could answer this and say six to eight pitchers, or I could say one to two, or I could say 10 to 12, right? The problem is that it misses a ton of context, right? I think primarily, first things first, it mostly misses slate context, right? Um, so I know you've even specified here on larger slates, right? But that's still going to miss, let's switch over to DraftKings here. That's still going to miss a ton of individual context about the slate, right? There are slates where there is an elite pitcher that's well projected above all the other pitchers on the slate. Uh, there are slates like we have today where I actually think uh, the quality of pitchers is really spread out. I think ownership is likely to be pretty spread out. We have slates where there is um, maybe a handful, a, a couple, to two, two to four pitchers that are, are uh, head and shoulders above the other pitchers on the slate. Uh, sometimes, you know, batting, the way that the batting uh, situation is for a particular slate can affect pitchers, right? If there's a slate where uh, maybe there are only two or three elite hitting spots or two or three spots that are projected far better than all the other hitting spots on the slate, that can potentially lead you to want to diversify more in your pitchers, regardless of how the pitchers are projected. So these kinds of rules of thumbs and, and heuristics are, are really, I would really urge you to try to avoid thinking about things this way. And I get why people do, right? The, I mean, traditional optimizers build lineups purely based on average projection, right? And the tools that they give you to diversify uh, are pretty weak, right? You have uh, randomness sliders on most optimizers out there, which will basically just assume every player has a normal distribution, uh, which, um, spoiler alert, they do not, right? Uh, you have uh, min and max, you know, uh, exposures and things like that, which we have here too as well. But, um, you know, just because of the way that those optimizers work, the, the, the tools at your disposal to correctly handle your, your diversity of your pool are pretty limited. So you have to have these things, right? You have to have, uh, th there's a lot of content out there that's like, well, uh, you know, when I play 15 game slates, I have 10 to 12 pitchers because then you can go in and limit your pool to 10 or 12 pitchers, spread out your exposure and hope that it all works out, right? You really don't have to do that or think about this that much at all when you're using SaberSim, right? That is that is basically the goal of simulating games is that we can actually look at a player's range of outcomes and then bucket those ranges of outcomes and look at individual specific slate outcomes in, uh, look at slate outcomes, trying to think about the right way to say this, look at the number of right amount of outcomes that makes sense for the slate and the, and the contest you're playing and then build you a pool of lineups that is adjusted for that slate by itself, right? Like, when you build your lineups, if you build for a 150 max here, right? Let's say you're building 150 lineups and you're going to build this. We're going to look at what we found in our back testing is optimal is 18 sims per lineup. And that's not 18 sims of what a 15 game slate looks like on average. That is 18 simulations per game per lineup for this slate, this one unicorn slate that only exists tonight, right? Like that's what's interesting about DFS is that you every you get every slate once. You get to play it once. And a heuristic is just going to say, well, you can kind of use this for all 15 game slates, but you can instead build lineups with Sabersim and ask, 
Saberson basically what is appropriate for this particular slate. And when we do this, it's not going to be necessarily a one necessarily, and this is the other side of the coin. It's not going to be a necessarily a one size fits all solution for everyone out there, right? Not everybody, not everybody is going to be okay with what they just get here by default, right? There are going to be players that want to be more concentrated on their exposures. Uh, I like to play pretty diversified, right? So if you're asking me personally, a lot of times I diversify even further from what I get on Saberson by default. So but Saberson is going to do a good job of, in a way that is contextualized for the slate, give you a rank, a set of exposures, a pitcher portfolio, a pitcher pool that is appropriate for that particular slate on average. And we can see, we can build these lineups and see what this looks like. I expect we'll probably be pretty spread out at pitcher tonight because I don't think there are a lot of elite pitching options. I think things are pretty spread out. So I'm getting all excited about this uh, right off the bat here today. I'm like running out of breath on stream because I'm so excited about my uh, pitcher pool portfolios here. So um, I'm slow down for a second here and let this build finish. But let's see here. Give this a second to load. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, we have 17 pitchers right in our pool for 150 lineups here uh pretty spread out um actually it looks like a pretty good value play in spencer strider at the moment um projected pretty well projected as the second best pitcher on the slate and at 7k so getting to a lot of him uh, a lot of musgrove in a good matchup um and probably probably the best overall pitcher on the slate but then kind of spread out you know a lot of exposure to a lot of these different guys we're getting to a lot of different different spots here so Steve says, forget the water, hit the oxygen tank. Yeah, I actually, uh, <laughs> so I, in my move that I did this past weekend, uh, we moved up, I think like three or 4,000 feet in elevation. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, uh, I gotta get used to, I gotta get, uh, acclimated, I guess. So, um, HC said, take it easy, Jordan. We'll need to go fund me for an oxygen tank for you. Yeah, I guess so. I am, man, let's slow down here. All right, cool. Um, okay, so good first question there. Anyway, um, uh, <laughs> guy with said, "Man's doing man's doing the stream on the road in Denver. Not on the road anymore. This is the new spot. This is the new. These are the new digs. I'll be here. I'll be here for for a while. So I just got to get uh, acclimated to the new elevation here. Uh, maybe do some breathing exercises before I start these here." Uh, in the future. But anyway, Brian, uh, if you were watching, I hope that was helpful. Um, and again, my, my goal here is not to like to shut down this completely. Um, I just, I think that, you know, the, the heuristics that, that like of make your player pool this big for this slate just overcomplicates things, I guess would be a simple way of saying it. it's, it's not really that necessary. And I think even if I just told you a number, even if I just pulled a number out and said, do this much, I don't think it would actually help you that much in terms of actually improving your lineups. So um, you will see if you were to run this build for a bunch of different 15 game slates, uh, you'll get different results in terms of how many pitchers are in your pool based on that slate context. Um, and I think that's, that's important. So uh, anyway, let's go ahead and keep it going here. Um, I did want to touch on this. This was a good question. This came in, uh, right towards the end of the afternoon yesterday about the new percentiles, uh, from in it to bank it here. He said, how do the new changes affect choosing different percentile projections in step three? Um, so I actually, I, I have a, I have an open message out to Matt. I'm curious what his thoughts are on this. 
personally, um, I actually think the that basically what is happening internally within Sabersim now, uh, using the individual lineup percentiles, is a much better approach to getting additional upside and getting better lineups into your pool than the individual player percentiles. Um, so similarly to what we were talking about yesterday, where, you know, if you had gotten in the habit of setting a lot of stacking rules, if you had gotten in the habit of sorting by projected score instead of saver score, uh, all of these other things to kind of try to get better lineups. If you had gotten into the habit of using percentiles here uh, as a way to try to get additional upside into your lineups in the post build process, I would maybe pull back a little bit on that because I think what is now happening now behind the scenes uh, is just a much better approach to thinking about percentiles in general. Um, I could see potentially uh, us actually like just moving in the direction of maybe even like deprecating the individual player percentiles somewhat. Um, I mean, maybe not completely, but moving more in the direction of lineup percentiles period, because I think that's, that's really what we care about more anyway, right? We don't care. Like if you really think about what your goal is with this, you don't care what Spencer Strider's 95th percentile is. You care about what the upside outcomes of lineups containing Spencer Strider are. Uh, and that's what lineup percentiles are essentially designed to do. Uh, and I think maybe the next step is just to give that more of a interface so you can see them uh, in the app, which is which is on our radar. So um, I... I don't know it. I don't think they're necessarily in conflict. Like I suspect that you can still use percentiles um, and and be okay there, but I don't know how necessary they are. Uh, and I would experiment with uh, just not using them and seeing what you think about the lineups that you're getting. So, um, okay. Uh, Phantom um, asks a question here. Um, Real quickly here said with a huge game slate on tap, the updates to correlation slash sim precision and the new thoughts on contest selection. Didn't know if today might be another good day to show you how you might attempt to break down the slate. Thanks as always. Um, a couple notes on this. So, I mean, first of all, for, for those that might have missed it, I did this uh, about, it uh, looks like a week ago here now in this office hours video, building lineups with, with Sabersim for an MLB slate. Uh, talked about basically uh, was totally fresh to a slate. I hadn't researched it at all and did my process uh, or pretty close to what my process looks like uh, for the first half hour of that show on this episode. So um, if you are interested in that, I would go check this out. Um, we are also working here now a little bit behind the scenes on potentially uh, turning something like that into a new show here at Sabersim, some kind of slate preview, something like that. Um, haven't really exactly figured out what that's going to look like, but I know we, we heard a lot of positive feedback from that. So uh, we heard you guys on that, and I think uh, probably going to be um, maybe creating some kind of new show or something like that to do that. Um, I have a lot of questions in the queue here for today, so I don't think I'm going to go as deep into uh, a breakdown here on today's slate. But, I mean, I would be kind of happy to give you kind of a quick uh, overview of just how the slate's looking for me. I think it's a little bit of an interesting one, uh, not only because it's 15 games, but also because I don't think there are, you know, a lot of very spectacularly projected pitchers or hitters on this slate. Uh, I think things are going to be pretty spread out. Um, and I was looking at this earlier, right? So we just looked at the pitchers, right? You can kind of see, um, we'll look at the salaries. I like to do this often by salary here and just kind of look at salary bands. I do think Musgrove is going to be the, the more popular payup option. I think people get to Severino a little bit there as well, but I think Musgrove is going to be perceived as kind of that elite payup option. Um, 
I think Strider is going to probably be a pretty popular option down here at 7K. Uh, and then with like kind of a few other, you know, options mixed in as well. I think there's some of this, you know, just just kind of, I mean, basically just looking at the ownership projections. I'm, I'm generally in agreement with this, but I think, I don't think there's going to be a lot of, you know, extreme chalk uh, overall on the slate. On the pitching side, there aren't a lot of great, you know, ace type pitchers here. I think people are going to be pretty spread out. Uh, on the hitting side as well, um, if we look at Vegas here, there are a handful of teams that are projected better than the other teams on the slate here, um, but nothing that's like crazy. We have four teams projected over five. Uh, you've got the Blue Jays, Yankees, Braves, and Dodgers, but Baltimore's 4.9. The Royals are 4.8. The White Sox are 4.8, right? Uh, everything just feels kind of close together on this particular slate. Um, so I think for me, I'm going to be a little bit less focused on ownership just in general. Um, I'm probably going to kind of roll with what the projections and the Sims are giving me a little bit more just because I think, I mean, if we look, our ownership projections right now have the chalkiest batter on the slate at just 15% uh, in, in Beau Bichette. And I mean, we say, yeah, Dodgers and Toronto are going to be the chalkier stacks, but we're talking about players that are going to be 10 to 15% owned. I, you don't get that much out of taking an aggressive stand on those kinds of teams. So uh, along with that 15 games on the slate, right? There are so many players in the player pool uh, that I think the most important thing to be successful in GPPs tonight is about being directionally right with your teams and stacks. Uh, I'm going to stack very heavily. Uh, I would, uh, I, I don't know for sure exactly how that's going to end up looking for me, but uh, it might be the kind of slate where I play only four fours and five five threes uh, between DraftKings and FanDuel um, just because there's so many different players in the pool. Uh, the winning lineups in GPPs is probably not even going to approach what the actual optimal scoring lineup is. Uh, we can rely on that correlative uh, effect pretty heavily for a slate of this size. So um, I think that's kind of the, I think that's kind of the edge here tonight is there's so many ways that somebody could, you know, make a mistake, right? Somebody using a, a, a inferior model or not correlating as much. Um, I think I, my approach here on the slate, I'm going to go ahead and just try to play very correlated lineups uh, of teams that, you know, uh, have, have high overall upside um, and, and go from there. I, I'm not, I'm not as focused on trying to intentionally fade ownership on a slate like tonight. Um, I also will probably be, I guess, last note here, I'll probably be pretty diversified, right? Um, I don't want to be overwhelmingly exposed to any one pitcher or stack or hitter on a 15 game slate where there's all these different options. Um, I don't, this isn't a slate. I, I, to me, if I end up, if I come out of the slate and just totally bricked it, right. I will feel like I probably did something wrong. I probably played unnecessarily risky, uh, to, to, um, to do that. Right. Like another way of thinking about these ownership projections here is that, you know, even if you decide that, yeah, I think Toronto, like, I think the field is undervaluing Toronto. I want to be heavily exposed to Toronto. It only takes 10 to 30% exposure, uh, to any of these hitters to get over the field on these guys. If these ownership projections are right. Right. So if you end up, uh, you know, I would say if you, if you play through the slate and, and brick it or, you know, 60 or 70 or 80% of your lineups go down with the ship because one player has a zero, something like that. Uh, I, to me, I would, I would feel like that you probably were not diversified enough for the size of this slate. But uh, these 15 game slates are fun. We, we get a handful of these throughout the year. I know we have another one coming up on the 28th that DraftKings is already promoting with uh, satellites and qualifiers and things like that. So uh, I think it should be a fun slate. But anyway, that's kind of my, my gut check. Uh, uh, of how I'm looking at things here again, didn't go into as much detail, not going to do any like builds here, 
uh, just because there's a lot of questions to get into. But um, hopefully that was kind of helpful of, of the way that I'm just looking at things. So uh, Steve said slate preview. That would be very nice. Yeah, we're, we're, we're talking about what that might look like here uh, on our end. It could look at, uh, you know, could be including other different sports um, as well. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. Steve said Dodgers one through six average near 5k a player salary. Yeah. And that might be why, um, you know, that, that might be why they're not as chalky as they potentially could be. I mean, they don't, they're not the best overall projected team on the slate by us or Vegas either. Um, who's pitching for San Francisco? Uh, Jacob Junis. Yeah. I guess, you know, in San Francisco, not, not the best park really for them there, but I'm, I'm maybe a little bit more surprised that they're not a little bit higher there, but opened at 4.5 and have climbed to, to 0.5 or climbed a half run to five. So that might, that might trend might continue. So, um, but cool. All right. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Uh, Matt asks a good question here. Um, All right, let's get this up here. Uh, okay, so this is a good one. For potential weather games, is there a way to make sure the builder only puts a team stack with the same team's starting pitcher and lineups that either appear? Uh, for example, the other day on the Bieber slate, if I wanted to take the risk of playing some Bieber or Cleveland stacks in my lineup set, I only want them together in the same lineup. Uh, and then on top of that, making sure I don't have any Cleveland one-offs or do I just need to do a separate mini build for these lineup structures only? Yeah. So this is something that would be best accomplished with a conditional group. Uh, and that's something that we're planning on adding, I would say in probably within our, one of our next, so we just released, um, pretty big update to the app in the form of the, um, the entry editor streamlining, uh, the new quick swap stuff, the, the way late swap is integrated in here, some of the changes to the entry editor, right? That was kind of a big project we had pushed out. I would say probably the next big front end update that we're making, the next big thing to the to the visual interface of the app is going to be um, a, an, over, an overhaul or kind of a, a reimagining of the way that our rules and groups and stacking rules and things like that work. And included in that is... Uh, conditional groups. So you could set a group and say, if Bieber or uh, if uh, Bieber in the line, lineup, then must have at least three or at least five, uh, you know, Cleveland hitter stack, right? Something like that, right? So uh, you can't do that really with a group rule at the moment. What you can do here uh, is you can do it uh, with the filters. Um, and I think, I think, uh, I think the filters kind of get you pretty far there. They, they're, they're a decent rule to, to get pretty close to what you're trying to do. So there is one game on the slate here tonight that I don't think is expected to cause a lot of weather problems, but uh, it's Cincinnati and St. Louis. So there is one game here um, or maybe there's a little bit of weather. So let's see. Do we have any Cincinnati? Are we getting to any? Um. Okay, these pitchers aren't very popular, so I'm not going to use that as an example. Let's take something else instead. Let's say uh, that there was hypothetically, um, I don't know, some Washington weather, right? And we want to say, um, you know, I want to, if I'm going to use Ashby, um, I want to make sure that there's a Milwaukee stack in there alongside that, right? So one thing you can do is you can filter by Ashby. So we're going to say filter by all lineups that include Ashby, and then I'm going to say... Uh, 
take all of the lineups that don't have a Milwaukee stack associated with that, right? So now I'm filtering by yes, Ashby, no Milwaukee stack. And then you can use this trash. And actually you can do it from your entire pool here. You can use this trash icon and basically say, just trash the 38 lineups that have Ashby without having any Milwaukee stacks in there, right? Uh, And now it's going to say, okay, now you need to fill back up here. Let me close this. You need to fill back up to 150. You had some of those lineups. You trash some of those lineups in your pool, clear the filters. uh, And now we can kind of, um, now we can get there, right? So now um, any lineups that we have with Ashby will have a Milwaukee stack in it. Right. So I think that the filters tool can be a decent way of basically forcing conditional type groups into your pool. Um, in the meantime, while we don't have a more robust solution for doing that, uh, when you start to get into situations like wanting to make sure you don't have any Milwaukee one offs or something like that, uh, it gets a little bit harder to do. You really, you know, especially with 150 lineups, you end up having to do a lot of kind of spot checking uh, your lineups and making sure. Um, that they don't have a Milwaukee one-offs, it can be a little bit tedious. Um, so that, that's part of the reason why we want to add conditional groups to give you that extra layer of control. I will say this, you know, in the more specific example here uh, for for weather situations with baseball, I, the risk is like so rarely worth it. And the trouble is so rarely worth it. it might be better off just fading the game. Um but I know that that can be a tough pill to swallow, especially, uh, you know, in that in this particular slate, I know Bieber was like uh, uh, definitely the best projected pitcher on the slate. So it's tough to tough to do that. But I think that for for baseball weather situations in particular, I think you're going to be better served most of the time just taking a, a fade there uh, and, and Xing that game off. Um, but uh, better features to do what you were trying to do are are on the roadmap. So. Um, cool. So, um, I actually, I'm going to comment on this real quick, just cause I think this is an interesting point here. Um, I think it actually kind of reinforces the point I was making earlier. This is back from, from Brian here, uh, about the first question we had, um, and uh, he said, thanks, Jordan. Someone who introduced me to DFS off another site that uses another optimizer always stressed three or four starting pitchers max per slate. Uh, so I seem to miss out, especially if one or two failed that night. Yeah, and that that's like basically exactly what I was trying to say earlier is that, you know, a lot of times coming from other optimizers, uh, you you will get these rules of thumb, you will get these things that are like, use this many players in your player pool for this or build this kind of rule because those tools themselves don't really get what makes a good lineup. So you have to say this makes a good lineup or it does. You won't get, you won't get a well diversified portfolio of pitchers for your 150 lineups. That is uh, logical for that particular slate. You'll just get a bunch of cash lineups uh, if you leave things as they are with a traditional tool. So you have to kind of pick and choose your spots. You really don't have to do that here. Um, so, uh, and and frankly, I guess I didn't even touch on this earlier. Uh, three to four, I know whatever your original message said, I think is way too concentrated, like exceedingly over-concentrated of a pitching pool for 150 lineups for what that's worth. On Like I would... The only time I'd probably play four pitchers in a uh, 150 max kinds of contest for baseball is if it was a two game slate, right? Like I, I, there, I mean, even, even pitchers are safer than hitters, right? But like, look at the range of outcomes of what is actually possible here for these guys, right? Like we're looking at uh, the, the best overall value pitcher on the slate 
in terms of Spencer Strider, and and he has uh, a you know six percent. Like he, if we just kind of sum these up in our head real quick, right? Has like a, a plus 10, 12 or 12% chance of finishing with like three or less points uh, and a, what, probably a similar percent chance of finishing with 31 points or more, right? Like, and this is the best overall play on the slate from a point per dollar standpoint, right? A player that a traditional optimizer would absolutely love. So it just goes to show you how wide these outcomes are. It, it just goes to show you why you might want to be so diversified. So, uh Okay. Um, let's go ahead and hit a couple other questions here. I wanted to touch on one here, um, from, um, let's see, uh, that came in, uh, through our support here. Um, so let me go ahead and grab this real quick. Uh, and this is about diversification, um, particularly with stack combinations. So let's see here. Um, okay. So... Um, this is from, uh, Ryan. He said, how do I get my secondary stack exposure to spread out when building my lineups? For instance, when I have a five man stack of KC, my only secondary teams paired with KC is Boston and Baltimore. I'd like to have all of my five man stacks spread evenly, whether that's the correct way to be playing or not. Uh, I tried to building one five man stack at a time. That's really time consuming. I bet it is. Uh, I tried to adjust the five man stack in a pool of 1500, but that only leads to me having to create a bigger pool. Uh, and then said, please pass this along to Jordan. So, uh, okay. So a couple notes here. So this is another situation where, um, I think to do this explicitly, to do exactly what you are trying to do here, the, the options are a little bit limited at the moment. So I'll show you a couple ways that I think you can get closer to doing this, right? I think you can kind of, um, I think you can make this a little bit smoother for now. Uh, two things we're planning on on doing in the future. One uh, is the ability to basically edit exposures while filtering a different exposure, right? So you could go in here and actually say, uh, filter, here's, give me all of my Baltimore stacks um, and filter, you know, we're pretty spread out here, but maybe we had 30% St. Louis or something like that, right? Give me less St. Louis paired with Baltimore. Um that is a kind of a difficult technical problem to solve. It gets kind of weird because you end up start, you start storing conditional exposures and it's just a weird thing to kind of visually show on the screen, right? Uh, all of those different potential conditional exposures and, and managing all of that gets kind of tricky. We also want to add, um, I, and I, I don't want to go too deep into this right now because we're still kind of brainstorming of what this would look like, but some kind of diversification tool that would help automatically diversify your lineups uh, when used. So we are planning on adding more functionality to improve this in the future. In the meantime, uh, I think one of the best things that I would recommend trying to do is trying to build with a higher SIM precision slider. Um, so increasing even, you know, even up to 10 now, I think is a lot more of a safer approach, uh, than it used to be now that our lineup percentiles are, are working here. Um, now that, we, now that we have the lineup percentiles controlling saber score, um, and then increasing your pool size along with that is going to increase your diversity quite a bit. Um, I really, I would be surprised, uh, if you told me that you were, building with a high, very high sim precision uh, and we're seeing extremely grouped combinations of stacks like that in the same way. Um, that really should help a lot. I think another thing you can do if you're still running into issues there and you're still having issues is is increasing the min uniques here. 
right? And even just increasing this to two or three is going to alleviate a lot of that significantly. Uh, it's difficult. It, it is very hard for a lineup builder to build a lot of pairs of the same two stacks uh, with min unique set at two or or even three. Uh, you, you run out of player combinations pretty quickly. So that would help a lot as well. Um, so again, Limited, somewhat limited options at the moment. I think the easiest things to do are going to be increasing your sim precision slider and maybe using the min uniques a little bit here. Um, but we do want to add some more explicit functionality to help um, alleviate that in the future. So good question there. Um, okay, uh, that brings me here to uh, YouTube chat. Um, yes, I think you got to everything in Slack. Uh, YouTube chat here. Um, let's go ahead here. So, uh, first of all, eight game is the new correlations working for NBA showdown. Uh, yes. Um, but I don't think it, it would be if you turned the correlation slider on, but I don't think you really need to, right. Uh, basically, you know, in, in showdown, I think the goal here is really to take single game simulations, uh, and build optimals for that, right. That is what the default sliders do. That is essentially what you're trying to do in single game, right. What are the game scripts of this game? Uh, how could this game play out? What are the optimal lineups associated with those game scripts? That is what the default sliders do for you, right? Correlation is off. We don't need to we don't need to add in additional correlation there. A single simulation, a single game script is naturally correlated because it is a game outcome, right? So if you turned this on, yes, it would be using the new correlations, but I don't think you really need it. Right. On the flip side, though, the lineup percentiles, the new lineup percentiles that power saber score, I think are going to be very, very helpful for NBA showdown, uh, particularly because they are going to give you a more rounded, balanced, uh, less noisy uh, top scoring saber score lineups in your pool. Right. The old way we used to do this is the top saber score lineups here uh, would basically be it would be a combination of how likely is that lineup to be the optimal lineup. And how high did that, how many fantasy points did that lineup score in the sim, right? And there's issues with that, particularly uh, the latter, because it would artificially inflate simulations where one guy just randomly had like a massively high scoring output or random simulations where the game went to like double overtime and everybody scored a lot of points, right? Now, the way this works is we're actually looking at the individual lineup percentiles, right? What do these lineups score? The lineups score when it hits its 99th percentile overall. What are the highest actual upside lineups in the pool? Um, so short answer here is both of the updates we made this past week are live for all sports and slates and contest types. I think in the case of Showdown across the board for all sports, uh, the lineup percentiles as they relate to Sabre score, I think are probably going to be more valuable than the new upside correlation. Um, so, but, uh, cool. Ryan said Nelson Cruz got sketched six minutes before showdown had 78% and still took first in a contest. Marlins five stack with, uh, Jesus Sanchez at captain saved me better to be lucky than good. Yeah. Sometimes it works out like that. Sometimes it works out like that. Congrats on the bank there. Uh, Anthony said, excited about the new updates. Can we touch on some of the ways that this affects NBA showdown? Yeah, I mean, so I kind of just answered that. I, again, I think the biggest impact here is that when it comes, so when you build your lineups and you get to the post-build process, uh, Sabre score, right, is basically just going to be better than it was, right? You were Sabre score is going to do a better job isolating and finding the, the actual highest EV lineups in your pool because it will not be as subject 
to to sim scoring bias, right? It will it will not overly bias a random sim where everybody scores a lot, and it will not it will be a little bit less biased towards individual extreme player outcomes, right? Like if you're getting, uh, you know, if you're getting uh, a lot of Andre Iguodala in your lineups, for example, right? Now those individual lineups with Iguodala are still individual simulations where he was in the optimal, uh, but I think you can feel more confident that this is truly. Uh, the third best lineup of your pool that you could play. And this one is truly the 17th best lineup that you could play. Not just an outlier performance, not, not just purely an extreme outlier from that player that, that doesn't actually, or that lineup that doesn't actually have upside. So um, I think the biggest impact on showdowns overall is going to be that that Sabre score is just going to do a much better job. And this is true, not even just of showdowns, but I think for showdowns, um, I think it, it's going to be a big help. So uh, Enigma said, what's the most time efficient way to enter 40 unique lineups into say 220 maxes? Uh, it's really easy. I would use our entry editor. Um, so hypothetically, um, let's just download my NBA file for tonight here. And I have a bunch of entries, but let's just say I was only playing the quarter jukebox and the and one, right? So you would go in, you would build your lineups. Let's say these were your lineups, right? Um, you would, you would have 40 in this case. And you would click fill entries. So you click fill entries, right? Um, if you haven't already uploaded your entries file, you would see the box, the, the pop-up that I just saw a second ago that said upload your entries file. But once you get that uploaded, all you would want to do is make sure you have the 40 lineup set. Make sure that you have the 220 maxes selected here. So you can see I have this one, the quarter jukebox and the and one, uh, this one. And then use a unique fill method. Uh, which unique fill method you want to use is up to you. There are two of them. Uh, the first one is unique rank. What that will do is it will take my top 20 lineups, one through 20, and put those all into the higher ranked contest, the higher, the, the one that shows up higher here, right? So in this case, one through 20 would all go into the end one, then 21 through 40 would all go into the quarter jukebox, right? Uh, the alternative is unique random, which would basically just be all 40 lineups go in randomly to these two contests. So, um, not one's not better than the other here, right? I think uh, if you, I think the the more adjustments you are making to exposures in the build screen, the more I'd probably be inclined to use unique random. Uh, the less adjustments you are making, the more I'd be a little bit inclined to use unique rank. Uh, mostly because making adjustments mostly changes, making adjustments to exposures generally changes the bottom of your pool more than the top of your pool. So the more changes you want to make, uh, the the more disparity there becomes between your exposures of your first 20 and your second 20. Um, if, anyway, if I'm confusing the hell out of you, just use, I would say just use unique random. That works pretty good most of the time. And then you can just download and open DraftKings. In this case, I, it's saying I haven't filled all of my contests because I'm playing a lot more than just those two 20 maxes. Uh, but I'll just say yes. Um, I'll just say download all 40 and I'll could go on and upload them. So uh, pretty simple, pretty easy to do that. Um, okay. Uh, metal alloy said, would you please show how to do a group in NBA showdown that forces no more than one player from a group of three or four? I was confused at the instructions to select, to achieve this from the options. Sure. Uh, what you would want to do here is go into the rules tab here. So in the build settings, you'd go to rules, you go to player groups, uh, and then add a group rule. Uh, one thing to be careful of here, um, is, 
Uh, a player is, you know, at least on DraftKings in particular, is has a different player ID, right? Uh, and a different salary and a different projection for their captain usage and their utility usage, right? So Jason Tatum, two Jason Tatums here, right? So you need to be careful. Obviously, this is the captain Jason Tatum. This one's the utility Jason Tatum. Uh, but let's say hypothetically here, um, you know, let's say we want to say, um, maybe, maybe I'm just going to throw this out there. Maybe we're going to say, let's take Tatum and I'm just going to add both of these guys here. Let's take Curry. Let's take uh, Brown and let's take Clay. And we're going to say that we only want in the interest of getting kind of unique, maybe, uh, we could do, we want to play only two maximum of these guys, right? So we don't want, we don't want any more than two of these guys in a lineup, right? Um, this is just a hypothetical. I don't know what type of group you're, you're actually making here, but this, this is how you would do it here. Um, and then if we build this, it should now follow that. Um, so there you go. So, and then we can, here, we can audit this real quickly here and make sure that this mostly works, but, uh, okay. So this one, just Tatum, um, this one, we have, uh, Jalen and, uh, Clay. This one, we have Tatum and Clay. This one, we have Tatum and Curry, um, but should work there. So yeah, uh, again, in the build settings, rules, groups, there you go. Uh, Patrick, this note about there's a mistake when Otani pitches that shows his batting projection instead. Uh, I saw this. I happened to see this message in the Run Pure Sports Discord uh, this morning. Uh, I think this is a Run Pure thing, to be honest. I think it sounds like maybe they those guys are uploading uh, the uh, batting projection instead. But we have we have the right projection here. This is these are our, uh, these are the Saberson projections from last night. 17.13. That that is definitely his pitching projection here. So I it sounds like those guys over there are looking into that, but um I can follow up with them too and make sure that that that's all set up right. But we we have the right projection loaded. So uh Jorge said, uh, do you set any exposures to all the players depending on their grade uh slash value? Um I, so I, I will typically, I, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't say this is so much done on the individual player level for me. Like I'm not setting, I'm not setting min and max exposures to every player generally uh, based on value or anything like that. I will have some kind of sense of how highly exposed I want to be uh, to any one player on the slate um, depending on the size of the slate and depending on the context of the slate. A lot of times, like a decent rule of thumb is how, how much exposure. Oh, okay. This is for NBA. Um, let's, yeah, let's go back to NBA then. Okay. No. So for, I would say this. So, uh, for NBA showdown, I will, I will basically, I would happily be hundred percent exposed to any given player, right? There's, there's so few players in the pool. Um, you're, you're basically just trying to find optimals for, uh, certain different game scripts, right? And and I would say to, to add on to that, particularly attack under underowned game scripts and underowned lineups relative to their expectation. If that requires me, you know, like I had, for example, uh on game three, I had 70 
two percent uh andre iguodala um just because i think based on my research uh coming back from injury um I, I felt like the field was and i i think he ended up only playing a few minutes he certainly wasn't optimal but based on my research i felt like he was extremely under owned relative to his percent chance of being optimal um which still wasn't very high in a vacuum anyway that's beside the point my point here nba showdown I have no real individual player exposures. Um, I am I am perfectly happy having a, having 100% exposure, uh, being 10x the field on a certain guy if it's the right spot. I think um, just because it's it's a high variance game. Uh, NBA classic slates. Um, I would say you know kind of similar there too as well. Uh, there are spectacularly well projected plays that open up an NBA classic where you have a starting point guard. Uh, 3,200 salary, going to play 36 minutes, projected for 9x his fantasy point production uh, at the average. In 90% of his outcomes are 6x his salary or better. Very hard to fade that player. Um, so NBA in particular, um, I would I am pretty comfortable being heavily exposed to uh, to any player. So, um, cool. All right. I don't see any other questions here in the queue. Uh, we still have about 15 minutes or so. Um, fire away if you guys have any other questions for me here today. Um, I am, uh, I'm excited for DFS tonight. I'll tell you what. Uh, game four of the finals. Um, I finally, now that I've uh, gotten on the other side of this move and uh, gotten a, a few other things together here, uh, finally actually having the opportunity to watch some basketball games. Um, mentioned a, a couple weeks ago here. Um, I'm always a big uh, playoff basketball fan, but I've I got to watch very little of it this year and finally getting a chance to really watch uh, some games. So pretty excited about that. Obviously, 15 game baseball slate, uh, always a lot of fun. Only get a handful of these every year. Um, or maybe more than a handful, but they're always fun. Every single team playing. Uh, I do wish, I wish pitching was a little bit better. I think the slates are a little bit more fun when you have some uh, elite aces, some, uh, you know, 12 strikeout upside type guys there. And and maybe that's, maybe Musgrove or, or Severino or those guys have a little bit of that tier tonight, but I don't think so. Um, so, but I'm excited for DFS here tonight. Um, and then a pay-per-view uh, MMA card tomorrow, which should be pretty exciting as well here. Um all right, a few other questions coming in here. Follow-up question. I usually sort 500 lineups on Excel. What parameters do you use to sort to find the optimal for NBA? Honestly, I think Sabre score is going to do a better job here than most anything else you're going to come up with on your own. And for me, I typically trust Sabre score, especially after the updates we've made this week. Um, so Sabre score, right, in the context of showdown, basically is going to be quantifying uh, what what is the raw scoring upside that this lineup possesses, right? And how often is a given lineup the optimal um, for that particular set of Sims? Um, so I think Saber score is going to do a really good job of ranking those lineups above and beyond anything else. I have experimented with doing my own kind of calculation of trying to back into uh, what is the most likely to be optimal lineup. Um, and I've always found that Saber score does a, generally a better job than I can do that even myself. Um, so that's, so for ranking, um, or, or sorting, right. That, that I would trust Saber score broadly speaking more often than not. Um, in terms of other things I like to look at, I do still think it's pretty interesting, uh, to calculate out that ownership product of a lineup 
and see how likely it is to be duplicated. Um, I think that's a very kind of time efficient, time inexpensive way of quickly trying to assess how likely a lineup is to be duplicated. So I typically do a little bit of work uh, with ownership product to remove lineups that I think are going to be duped. Uh, we do want to add that to the app in the future um, in two ways. One, uh, some kind of duplication calculator. Uh, and then the other, just w- more ways to visualize ownership beyond ownership sum. Um, so um, yeah, I don't know. That's That's kind of what I do there. Uh, Enigma said, I only have the basic sub, so I can't make 40 lineups uh, in one go. Is there still a way to do 40 different lineups? Uh, <laughs> kind of a funny question. Um, no, <laughs> that's, that's the point of the, that's the point of the, the, uh, the, other, the other plan really. Um, I would say, I mean, you can build. Yeah, no, not really, to be totally honest, right? I I would say the starter plan is really intended for people that are making less than 20 or less unique lineups of slate. If you were making more than 20, the best thing you're going to be able to do is is upgrade the plan. Um, Yeah, that's that's probably my best advice for you. I would say you can experiment, you know, depending on... uh, how, how much time you want to spend on it. You can experiment with like two different builds of 20 lineups at a very high sim precision. Uh, and then maybe, you know, try to try to compare those two and, and try to pull out unique lineups from there. But I think you're going to find that your, your time is probably better spent uh, with, with the upgrade there um, if you want to play more lineups. So uh, Patrick said MLB lineup or MLB late swap only rebuild one lineup. That the player is out. Uh, you can do it. You certainly can. And I will show you how. Um, cool. So let's 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 play around with this. Let me get the um, let's get this in here. Um, okay, 150. Fill these. Download. Okay, so let's pretend that these lineups are my lineups, right? Um, and looks like we have a lot of Baltimore. So let's say we get a. a Where's when's Baltimore playing? Oh, perfect. They're not at lock. Okay, so let's say we get a late, late Baltimore scratch. Uh, and it is boom, Trey Mancini's not in the lineup. Uh-oh. Couple things you can do here. First of all, you can quick swap. Uh, actually, this is my preferred way to swap for baseball late swap. Um, what this will do is it will basically take the player that's out and swap them with the next best of available player. And you can do that best available player on the slate or best available player on the same team. What I've been doing for I would say 95% of my baseball late swaps this year. Um is I do swap Trey Mancini for the best available from the same team, right? And that's going to say, put the next best guy in here on the same team. Patrick said, I know quick swap is available for best the same team, but I think it messes up the stack correlation. Uh, I don't I don't really think so. I think it, this, um, this, uh, this does a pretty good job of maintaining that correlation, right? We're going from Mancini to Mountcastle. Maybe it's not perfect, right? Maybe you lose a little bit of correlation, but most of the correlation is on the same team here. Um, so, um, in the event that it can't swap all of them, sometimes you get a situation that says Trey Mancini will remove from 60 lineups to unavailable to swap. Then you can do swap with best available, um, and then apply it. Um, and then it will fix the other ones. Uh, eight game said, will best available allow batter versus pitcher? No, it will not. As long as this is not toggled on in your build settings. Uh, that is a weird, that is frankly a weird, uh, little nuance there, um, that this affects that, um, probably something that we should just adjust at some point, but as long as this is toggled off, 
uh, it won't uh, impact that. Um, assuming you don't want to do just that, right? Let's say let's do Mount Castles out now, right? Assuming you want to rebuild the lineups, you can also late swap, right? So in the late swap build uh, and then toggle this on uh, only swap lineups containing out players. And what that will do, you see this changes now to late swap 47 lineups uh, before it says late swap 150. Now it says late swap 47. This is the alternative. Um, I would say, you know, for me, I have been pretty comfortable using quick swap for almost every single swap I have made this season. But if let's say, let's say the Orioles are your favorite stack on the slate and their lineup comes out and it is completely different than expected. There are four or five different guys that aren't playing. Uh, maybe the team projects way worse. Maybe like Mullen, Santander, uh, Mancini and Mountcastle are all sitting and they just put out this terrible lineup uh, and you don't even want to play them anymore at that point might be a better idea to actually rebuild. And you can do that using the late swap only late swap containing out players, uh, which will rebuild that. Um, so Patrick said of the batting order, I mean, uh, I think in general, um, batting order correlation, let me get these guys back in here is a little bit overrated, right? Uh, the primary correlations between players on a team come from the fact that when a player in any spot in the order gets on base, it stalls out and out for the rest of the team. It extends the game for the rest of the hitters, right? And if we look at a guy like Mancini, we will see in his correlation data that yes, uh, his highest correlations are to guys like Mullins and Santander and Mateo that he's close to. Uh, but the drop off here from correlations, right? You're still talking about guys, you know, uh, he's what pretty far away from uh, Rutschman here, still correlated point point one one zero, right? Uh, and we're talking about when we're talking about building a stack together, I, I don't, I wouldn't worry too much about batting order correlation. I think it's overrated. Um, that's just me. If, if uh, you disagree, that's perfectly fine. I would say if you disagree, you will probably be better off using instead the, uh, this version of late swap, because that will, uh, that will rebuild the lineup that will rebuild lineups while taking into account correlation the same way it did when it originated the lineups rather than just swapping in the best available player. Um, so two two different options, really, you can do there. Um, I Again, I think that for me, 90, 99% of the cases, the quick swap tool works just fine. But um, yeah, so. Cool. Uh, Don said, I saw a YouTube play, a video where a DFS player made the exposure as same as the projection. Does that make sense to you? I attempted that in Sabres and it went nuts. That's kind of wacky. <laughs> I, uh, that is weird. I don't, I, I don't know if I would do that. Um, I guess <laughs> it went nuts. It's cracking me up. I mean, what you're going to basically, so I get it, right? Like that's going to, that's going to basically kind of, I get it, right? It, it it kind of creates like this parity between that player's the the context that that player has in the slate in terms of their projection to their the the context that that player has in your lineup portfolio, right? It's it's that it would be this would basically be a way of base of playing a really balanced portfolio, right? Like imagine doing that tonight, you would have ten percent maximum exposure to any one batter. Um, the, the reason why it's Sabersim is struggling with that is because you're like, I mean, you're setting. You're, you're setting some of these exposures really, really low, right? Um, 
I here's here's what I would end up doing. So I, coming from somebody that also likes to play a pretty diversified portfolio, a pretty uh, pretty diversified strategy, which is what this would essentially do, I would experiment with doing this a couple different ways instead. Uh, and the first would be just plainly increasing your sim precision slider. Right? You want to diversify more, increase this slider, look at fewer sims per lineup. That you you would be stunned how much this diversifies you right out of the gate. Um, and then two, instead of saying I'm going to set a minimum or I'm going to set a maximum. Uh, uh, max exposure to every single player on the slate. Figure out how much total maximum exposure you are comfortable to having any to having to any player on the slate, and use that. Right? Uh, like I, I think ten is a little low, but maybe your maximum exposure. I, like I think honestly, like tonight, maybe twenty to thirty percent in one hundred fifty lineups makes a lot of sense for any given batter. For me, as somebody again that likes to play pretty diversified. For pitchers, uh, probably maybe. You know, I might be comfortable if I loved Musgrove, if I was really in on a Musgrove, getting up to 70% exposure to him, maybe, but I probably am a little bit closer to that 50 to 60% exposure on pitchers, right? Looking at the next best guy, the next highest projected own guy, 24%, double that, 48%-ish, right? You get where I'm going. Along with increasing sim precision, let's run a build here and then see what you get and then just cap your exposure to these players here in the post-build process. You're going to get the impact of being diversified without having this painful process of setting a maximum exposure to every single player in the slate, right? Um, so, um, like, I, I just, I think that's a lot. I don't think that's a lot. Or I think it's a lot. What am I talking about? Where am I? Who is, who, what is, what's happening here? I think it's a lot of work for not a little, for not a big gain uh, in terms of what you can do with with just diversifying this way, so. Uh, Demetra said, would you set a max exposure of 60 for all MLB players? If not, what would you suggest? You can do that too. Like in the build settings, you can set this max exposure to like whatever that number is 60. Um, uh, personally, I just think it's easier to increase sim precision. Like I, I like that a little bit more, but, but that works, um, as another way to kind of just force that diversity in there. It will make your pool, uh, a little bit more naturally diverse to begin with. So I think that can be fine. Figure out, like, basically what I'm saying, figure out what that that number actually is as your, what what's my maximum exposure I want to the most exposed player I'm going to have in my pool and set it there. Um, so Don says, how do you set, how do you cap max exposure? Yeah, I mean, so there's a couple ways to do it. The first would be using a tool like this. Uh, what I do here, though, is just basically just do it in the post-build process. And you can see here, just for example, right, 150 lineups. In this case, we cranked sim precision all the way to 10. Maybe you don't need to do that. Maybe that's a little excessive. But already our highest exposed player uh, is Zach Gallon, right? So like at this point, like I'm probably already just good with this um, in terms of batters. Highest exposed batters, 13%, right? Like basically we got all we got the exact impact of what we wanted here. We have a much more diversified pool, maybe even too diversified to be honest, um, without having to go in and set all of those max player exposures. So. Um, Eight game says I count my DK pitcher's exposure to the point projection of the pitcher. Yeah, I mean, if it works for you, I wouldn't. I, I would say you're going to run into trouble doing that for hitters. That's where it's going to get pretty weird. For pitchers, maybe it works. I don't know. Somebody, somebody out there is telling people to do this, right? If two of you guys in here are saying that that's what you do, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna it's gonna make you diversified. So, but all right, cool. Uh, let me make sure. I feel like I missed a couple questions here. Let me go back, double check here as we wrap up. Oh yeah. So um, 
I, Demetrius, I missed your question from earlier too. Uh, should I up the minimum number of players? Uh, minimum. I assume you're talking about minimum uniques players for this slate, or should I keep it at one? I don't touch this that often personally. Um, it, basically, what this does is it it brute forces diversity into your lineups. Is how I always describe it. Right. It basically says like Saber Sim. What Saber Sim is going to do is it's going to build these different lineups based on individual groups of Sims, and then sort them by Saber score which is our attempt to quantify expected value at the end and say, these are the best 20 you could play, for example. Uh, Min Uniques basically puts a restriction on that and says, no, don't do that. Like do that same process, but make sure at least two players are different every single time, right? And I, I personally find that basically the goal of that would be to force diversity into your lineups, right? And say, I want my lineups to be uh, more diverse, right? I want more... Uh, more, I'm saying the same thing over and over again, more diversity in my lineups. I think increasing sim precision is a better way to do that because it uses the real ranges of outcomes of the players in the sims to diversify. As you diversify, you also increase your upside. Um, so I would say in general, if you feel your lineups are not diversified enough for you to start, increase the sim precision slider. If you are already using sim precision at a very high value or you otherwise, for one reason or another, don't want to increase it anymore, then I think it's a decent idea to increase the min uniques. But that's not where I would start. So, but. Anyway. Uh, HC said, is 60% too much for a 20 max? We're full circle. We are we are full we are full circle here. We started we started today's show, and and I think this is my fault. I think this is my fault. But we started today's show talking about why I don't like these heuristics because they miss a lot of slate context, uh, and we are back with a heuristic. Um, I, I I will again say general rules of thumb like this miss the slate context. And if you want to know how much exposure is appropriate, if you want to know how much exposure is appropriate as your max exposure, if you want to know how many stacks you should stack in 20 lineups, if you want to know whatever, you will be better off. You will get a better answer that is adjusted, uh, that is well adjusted for the contest and the slate you are playing by building lineups on default settings and seeing what you get by default, right? Like for tonight's slate, how much exposure should I have on average? What is a good amount of maximum exposure I should have on average to my highest exposed pitcher or hitter, right? Build build lineups using the default sim precision slider and default sliders and, and see, right? Like, I would say as, a, as kind of a gut reaction here in 20 lineups based on what the pitching ownership projections and projections look like, I don't think 60% is too much. It's but it's probably around where I would expect that maximum to be. Right. And I'm not, that's not a number, that's not like a crystal ball number that I'm just like pulling out, right? That is uh that is roughly um that is that is like roughly what I think makes sense for this particular slate. Um she said all caps, I'm asking because I had hundred percent coal. Look, that that and that happens, right? Last night is actually kind of a slate. So I weirdly yesterday, I got lucky in hindsight. I forgot to enter yesterday. Like somehow I was doing my process. I was building my lineup. So I was getting everything all in. Right. Um, and I forgot to enter. So I didn't end up playing. I would have had a ton of coal as well. 
yesterday is the kind of slate where like based on the projections and the ownership and the way it worked out, like I also probably would have had a ton of him. Um, so that happens, right? Like, but as a default, the, a have this much exposure to this, this kind of player in this kind of slate is just, is just going to be an average. That's not going to help you that much. Right. So I would say, see what the build kind of tells you is appropriate and combine that with your own personal, like financial risk that you are associated, that you are comfortable with. Right. So if we pulled this up, right, we have 65% exposure uh, to Strider here, right? Sabersim says uh, 75% exposure to some of these Arizona bats here, right? Is, is, is optimal for 20 uh, for 73 percentage points of leverage here. Let me zoom this in a little bit, right? That is the baseline. What, what kind of, uh, this is annoying. Let's see. That is the baseline of what Saberson thinks is kind of appropriate here, right? Now that should work okay as an average. And then I would ask yourself from there, are you comfortable with the amount of risk associated with that? Right. Let's click on Varsho's. Right. Like this is the range of outcomes for this player. These are, this is, he scores zero 23% of the time. He scores three 22% of the time. Right. There's clearly a leverage opportunity here based on this. How much leverage do you need to feel comfortable? For me, this is too high. Right. Because I like to play diversified. For some, that might not even like Maverick in Slack, right? He might be doing this. He might be coming over here uh, and and doing this, right? Because he wants to play in a way that is that is upside focused, right? Um, so a look, it's going to depend a little bit on the personal risk tolerance of the player, but the default settings are going to answer this question on average in a way that is more contest and slate adjusted than I can. So, uh, Patrick said after every starting lineup. Starting MLB lineup is released. Do projections just update for that team or for every team every time? Trying to build accurate lineups is close to lock. Uh, so we we sim we we don't sim every game every time a lineup comes out. So like if uh, the Braves lineup comes out, we will sim this game. We won't sim every game. Um, barring some other news, generally once a game has the green check marks, right? Once the game has green check marks for both teams. You can basically treat that game as probably having final projections for that game. Uh, sometimes a sim will run again if something changes, if like if the lineup changes, first of all, but also for the uh, first games in a series, right? Uh, we get umpire information really late. So you'll often see, like, even if we have the starting lineups confirmed for the team, we'll have one more final umpire sim run for that game. Uh, typically, that has a very minor effect on the projections overall, um, but sometimes you'll see that. But yes, in general... Sims only run for the game where the lineup was released for. Dapoy Steven said, hey, Jordan, should I mess with correlation on NBA? For Showdown, I don't think you need to. Touched on that a little bit earlier, right? But uh, when you build lineups at 0, 0, 10 on Showdown, which is what the defaults generally are, pretty close to that, um, basically what you are building is you are taking a single game simulation from the 10,000 or so simulations we have of the game uh, and building the optimal lineup for that. And you do that 500 times, and then we sort the best 20 out of that, right? And that is that is basically the that is basically what Showdown DFS is, right? What are the game scripts? How could how what are the different ways this game could play out, and what are the optimal lineups for that particular outcome? And then what are the best 
individual lineups for those outcomes you can play. That's like the the uh, the triple threat of of what Saberson does here. Uh, adding correlation in here, right? What, what correlation does in general, you think about this for for other sports for for main slates, right? Is it is saying you know we don't need the optimal lineup. We don't we don't need to get so right to win a DFS contest that we have the stone optimal, right? We just need to beat. 10,000 other lineups or something like that in the contest. Uh, and what correlation is basically saying is let's, let's add in an additional factor and understand that we might, we might be less likely to get an actual optimal lineup at that point. But instead we're going to add in this additional factor. That means that that lineup is likely to succeed more together, right? Is the actual highest optimal lineup on an MLB, any MLB slate actually a five man stack? No, it's it's generally pretty unlikely that that's going to happen. But because we don't actually need the optimal to bank most of the time, we can build five-man stacks via correlation to give ourselves a lineup that has a higher overall chance of scoring a high upside outcome. In NBA Showdown, because we typically need that optimal to bank, and in fact, we're, we, the, because the, the optimals are so easy to find in Showdown that when they are found, they're often duplicated, uh, we don't want... We, we don't really need to add in this extra effect here. Like the, it wouldn't really make a lot of sense to add correlation in. We already have like this, we have a lineup that is naturally correlated because it is an individual game script optimal. And basically saying, you know, like I am, I don't want to play Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown together because they have a negative 0.08 correlation on average, right? Like who cares, right? Use Jason Tatum and Brown in the lineup together when they are optimal for that sim. You know, so short answer. No, I don't think you need it. Brent said, last night I went back to MLB build, capped Cole to 40%, and it spit out a 210.5 point lineup, which would have banked. I left Cole at 100%. Oops. That's the way it goes. That happens. That's DFS. Uh, what is a good sign is a 210.5 point lineup was in your play, was in your lineup pool, right? There are trillions. Well, five game slate, maybe not trillions. There are billions, probably there, there are a ton of lineups that you can build, like even, even limiting for minimum projection and minimum salary, right? There are like, there are an enormous amount of viable lineups, even for a five game baseball slate. And if you had a pool of 1500 lineups or 500 lineups, and you had a bink 210.5 point lineup in it, that means you're doing something right. Right. Like, remember how few lineups 150 is, how few even 1500 is. Anytime you have those high-scoring lineups in your pool, um, I think that's a good sign. So, uh, Patrick said, will you be rooting for the Avalanche in the Cup? Absolutely. Yes, go Avs. So, um, very a lot of excitement here uh, in the, the Denver area this, this, uh, this summer here. So, all right. Cool. Well, I am going to go ahead uh, and leave it there for today. Appreciate everybody that came uh, and uh, hung out with me here for the past hour and 10 minutes or so. Uh, of course, to the crew that listens to and watches the recording of the show every day on YouTube uh, and the podcast version of the show. I appreciate you guys as well. Uh, enjoy the games tonight. Enjoy your weekends. I will be right back here again for another episode of Office Hours next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, in the meantime, take care. Thanks. Good luck and see you guys.